Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Now new customers. When you sign up using promo code DNVR, you place a $5 bet, any $5 bet on Super Bowl 57. And when that wins, you get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today is a frequent favorite of the DNVR Rockies podcast and Rockies community. Mr. Kenneth Weber of Purple Row. What's going on, Kenneth? Not too much, man. Favorite might be a little bit generous, but I, I'm a, an attendee right now of the podcast, so I'm doing good. You've got a lot of honorable mention ribbons and participation trophies. It's like my sports career. Yeah, that's good. And, and it's like, you know, any kind of fair or carnival you go to, if you collect enough of those, you can get like real awards and, and, and cash it in for something. Yeah, I'm building up for the stuffed animal, uh, the DNVR stuffed teddy bear. That's it. A, a, a Nuxie. <laughs> That's it. We've got our we've got our very own knucklehead. Uh, well, we'll we have uh, plenty to talk about with spring training right around the corner. Less than a week for pitchers and catchers reporting, and uh, we'll discuss you know what prospects we need to keep an eye on because that's going to be one of the fun things in spring. It was fun last year when Tovar really broke out to start to imagine what if, and and by the end of that year he was there. So we'll talk about that. The camp battles because. There's a lot of them, probably a lot more than I can remember in years past. It seemed like pretty much most of the roster was settled. And I think for the most part, a lot of the starting spots are settled, but there seems like the entire bench is up for grabs. A couple spots in the rotation, maybe only a few spots in the bullpen. We'll talk about that, but let's talk about the news of the day that just broke San Diego Padres. Big signing, Tim Lopes signs to a minor league deal, Rockies lose another player, another minor league free agent to 
the San Diego Padres once again. Kenneth, your thoughts on it's, this? It's big if true. Uh, it is I'll true. <laughs> Tim Lopes is a Padre. Yeah, he's gonna be. Uh, yeah, he'll be with the. Uh, I'm sure I'll be at the El Paso Chihuahuas. Nice depth mm. piece pickup for the Padres. It was a nice one for the Rockies. He was uh, in camp there at the spring. But no, the the real big signing for the San Diego Padres, you Darvish, six years, one hundred eight million. Okay. Nice little extension there. My initial thought in the two seconds ago that it just happened that I saw it on Twitter. Uh, from everyone, including Ken Rosenthal, that seems low for him. And then I started doing some more thinking. But what what are your initial reactions? Six years, hundred eight million for you, Darvish, and the Padres. I mean, you Darvish is a little polarizing because you think about his time with the Cubs, and the Padres were essentially able to buy low because he kind of fell flat a little bit there for a while. So um, you think of you Darvish as the ace, and there's that caliber that's existed with him for most of his career. But he's also had some pretty big downfalls. The Cubs' time, the Cubs' tenure wasn't great. He rebuilt yep. his stock a little bit. His time with the Dodgers as a rental really kind of fell hard. I mean, that was one of the the scapegoats, so to speak, for the Dodgers losing that series. So um, I think it's good for both sides. At the end of the day, I think it gives a little bit of a security blanket if you Darvish does take a step down and does become a little bit less reliable. And also, I mean, he's no spring chick, and he's not, you know, the 27-year-old you Darvish that broke into the league. He's, you know, well into his 30s at this point. So um, I think it gives him some security, and I think it also gives the Padres a little bit of that, okay, we have a top to middle of the rotation guy that we know is going to be around for these next couple of years. So I think it, I think it works on both sides. I think it makes a lot of sense. Seems like a win-win for, for both parties. Yeah, as you mentioned, you Darvish, I started to think, well, he has been around for a while. He, he seems youthful about him. I don't know oh, yeah. what it is, but, I mean, he debuted in 2012, which, all right, that's a little more than 10 years ago, but if you come up young then you're going to still be on the on the young side, if you will, even though it's the wrong side of 30, debuted um, about age 25 with, mm-hmm. with Texas. But last year had 194 and two-thirds innings pitched. That was his most since his second year in the league at 26 wow. years old. So he hasn't been terribly durable, I would say. Mm-hmm. You know, his last four years were durable. It's hard to contextualize that 2020 season. You know, he made sure. 12 starts, so I think that was probably just about every single one. So he's... Going back to 2019, he probably has, he's probably in the top 10, top 15 in most innings pitch. So he's been durable in that sense. But I think the fact that he's, he is a little bit older does make it curious. And that does mean six years at 108 million. That means what he would, that takes him to his age 40 season. Mm-hmm. Um, does it's about maybe $18 million per year. And it goes back to everything with the Xander Bogart deal, everything with the Trey Turner deal from the offseason, everything uh, that Carlos Correa was going to get, whereby you add on years at the end and probably a million or two here and there. Because, sure. again, if you're negotiating that deal, I would love to be a fly on the wall to see what those negotiations are like. Mm-hmm. Because you say, okay, here's the base deal, this many years for this much money. Well, you know what? And I imagine Scott Boris uses this as a bargaining chip. Well, you know what? If you want to throw us... You know, another $5 million for each year after my client's age 39 season, go ahead and tack that on because that's going to be better for the team. It lowers that average annual value. And again, it's it's a win-win for both the player as well as the team. Yeah, I mean, in some situations, that's not really applicable. But oh, with right. the way Superstar guys only. Well, it's superstar guys only, but also teams that are really flirting with that luxury tax threshold. True. And that's where the Padres have positioned themselves. So if you're talking about the Rockies and the Chris Bryant deal, 
how you structure it is to kind of make everybody happy, but there's no real consequences other than you might, you know, have a kind of Charlie Blackman situation now where it's like, okay, he's not producing to what his pay is, but overall the structure of the deal is a little inconsequential. When you look at the way that the, the Padres have to do it, they just gave this mega deal out to Xander Bogarts. They are now able to secure you Darvish, but they still have to go out and pay Juan Soto, and they're still going to yeah. be probably looking at having to sign Manny Machado or watch him walk. You have the Tatis deal, which, you know, it's there's so much that has come out since then that it's almost easy to forget, but that's one of the largest contracts in baseball and sports history, really. So the, the Padres had to get a little creative to make sure that they weren't costing themselves more money with this Darvish extension. It might be a little modest in the, you know, grand scheme of things, but how they structured this was going to make a big impact on how well they can retain a Machado, a, a Soto, and fill out the rest of their roster as these years go along. So, again, the more I think about it, and I didn't know squat about this until we sat I dropped down. it on yeah. you the last second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not nearly as bad as what you, you made me think it might be at the beginning. <laughs> well, I made uh, you think it was you know, some kind of scandal, perhaps. Yeah. Uh-oh, the big Darvish news. What possible news could there be for oh, this guy? No. How big who's is still this bomb? On a roster. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's an interesting extension. I think Blake Snell is a free agent after mm -hmm. this year. Um they've they've got a couple and they've got all of these guys, as you mentioned, with Manny Machado, with these unique contracts that are less and less unique. They're it's kind of become somewhat of an industry of it's a short-term deal, but it can be even shorter. So there's yep. like an opt-out after year one. So they have so many of those those guys and all of those kind of pieces that you say, eh, you know what? We, we need to be a little bit cautious. We need some insurance. Let's bring Darvish back. And again, the spending is not going to end anytime soon. Can't. Yeah. They, they push their chips all in. So this is what you do when you're all in. And so yeah. like with some of the attention with with Dick Monfort's quotes and regarding the, you know the Padres, yeah, we don't do that. You know, there's there's going to be some ramifications for the way that they're going about this. Look at their fan fest. Look at the enthusiasm that yeah. has been garnered from the way that the Padres are going about it. Will it work? Is the big question because ultimately this has to lead in a championship. Beating the Dodgers isn't just enough anymore. They climbed that hill and now it's it's reaching for the peak. Um, but this reminds me a lot of how the Tigers operated through the 2010s, where it's we're going to keep on making the biggest splashes we can to put us in the best position possible to win a championship. And it didn't work for those Tigers, but I mean... A world was, they got uh, two World Series appearances in a yeah, short amount of time. There was, actually really only one in the 2010s. Magali Ordonez, mm -hmm. Victor Martinez... To your point. Well, you can stretch it to 2006, I think it was, when they lost to the Cardinals. So yeah. maybe you do a 10-year period from yeah. 05 to 2015, you know? Right. And so they the the World Series, the, the American League Championship, had to go through Detroit. Mm -hmm. At the very least, that is, that's what you ask for as a fan, is a sustained period of highly competitive baseball. And that's what the Padres are bringing right now. So good on them. I think that this also gives them Musgrove and Darvish as, you know, okay, we start there with the rotation. That's a fine starting point. So I dig it. Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. And, you know, I know Susie's been um, talking the, the last week, you know, would you rather, you know, win one championship and then, you know, you're really bad mm -hmm. forever? Or would you, you know, better to be somewhat middling and, and just kind of hope for something? You know, the Padres have, have not been a very good franchise. Historically. They've, been been really really bad i mm -hmm. mean um two two world series i mean that's it when yep. 1984 and 98 98 i think that's it you yep. know so they've been 
really bad um, in, in that market, and now they're, they're trying something different. They've acknowledged, okay, everything we've done in the past kind of hasn't worked. Let's do something different. And the Padres are very much, you know, and they don't, I, I don't know, there, there's, I don't know that there's an official uh, database out there or, or any kind of uh, a, an official line of demarcation for what teams are tanking and which teams mm-hmm. weren't. But the Padres were tanking. Sure. They, I don't know that they got to like a consistent 100 loss season type situation. But when AJ Perella took over, they acquired a bunch of guys: Matt Kemp, uh, both the Upton brothers, mm-hmm. Craig Kimbrell. Right? They a nice little trade of Derek Norris, who was a pretty good uh, hitting catcher at the time with the Oakland Athletics. It didn't work, and then they quickly turned around and traded all those assets off. And then they had to reset. And it was all about, well, let's wait until we get good again here in, in the next four or five years. Then we'll bring back the brown and yellow, and now they've got the swag. And so they are a product of tanking because they identified we need to try something different to make it work. And so far, you have to say it's been working. They haven't won the World Series. They haven't gone. Well, I mean, you know, they were in the NLCS last year. Um, so it's been a short window of contention so far. But you look at the roster and go, well, they're going to still have a good, solid window of contention for five seasons or so. Uh, and it would be obviously, I think, a disappointment to their franchise if they they don't get, let's say, even a World Series appearance. Mm-hmm. But compared to what they had been in the past, going to the postseason four out of five or five out of six is unlike anything they've ever done. And it's interesting when you think about the Rockies too, because in 2007, uh, 2017 and 18, they went to back to back postseasons for the first time in their franchise history. They did that on the heels of signing Ian Desmond, who I know gets a lot of criticism. And in 2018, the Super Bullpen, over $100 million on those three guys. But that bullpen did lead them to the postseason in 2018. So I think for the Padres and Padres fans, and or even just baseball pundits, they're going to look at the Padres and say, this is how much money they spent. Did they get as much out of it as they should? Maybe not. But was it a bad strategy? No. Just like, was it a bad strategy? Throwing all that money at those players in 17 and 18, it didn't work out how you would have hoped. But if you don't make those moves, you don't have back-to-back postseasons here in Colorado. Most likely. I think that they maybe they, the Rockies were just a little delusional on that being what put them over the top. Because, I mean, the backbone at the end of the day for the back-to-back playoff appearances yeah. was the infield. And the infield was Story, Arenado, LeMahieu, along with a primarily homegrown good pitching staff, relatively speaking, for you know the history of the Rockies of, of Freeland, Marquez, Gray, um, so the Rockies accomplished those back-to-back playoff appearances through what they developed while the Padres, and you talk about, you know, having that prolonged period of tanking, they didn't really hit on a lot of those draft picks during that period because it's basically stemmed from 2007. The Padres got knocked out of the playoffs and then they didn't go back again until 2020, I think the bubble year. Um, they didn't really hit on a lot of those big draft picks during that period, which forced them to have to spend their way back into competitiveness, which is what they've done for the most part. The Rockies were the antithesis of that. They were able to develop a story, develop an Arenado. They also you know, had two the whiskey during that period. But the Ian Desmond, the Super Bowl pen, was supposed to put them over the top. That was supposed to make them into those title contenders. And I think that's where the criticism can lie for, sure. for the Rockies in that period. And it just it goes to show how each has carried their mentalities 
to this day. The Padres have continued to spend, continued to try to go over the top for the things that they haven't been able to develop, while the Rockies have kind of just tried to keep on developing internally, saying, oh, these are the pieces, the Veens, the Tovars. When they come up, you're going to be a believer. And so it's it's interesting to see that the different courses that they have taken, and San Diego really just aggressively went to, okay, we're just going to spend our way out of this hole a little bit. I love where this conversation is right now because – there, there are other differences, too, between the Padres totally. and Rockies scenario. Mostly in that, Brown. Yes. Um, um, but the, a lot of those draft picks and a lot of those international free agent signings by the Padres, you're right. You go back and look and, like, what kind of careers have they had? Maybe it's still young. But what the, what the Padres did so well that the Rockies have yet to embrace, and now is the time for them to embrace it, we've started to see it a little bit. The Padres were able to identify, look, these young guys are great, and they're on these top 100 lists, and we've got a really deep system. They just they trade in the way they use them mm-hmm. as assets to make their big league club better. So those prospects did make the big league club better directly themselves, but their value did, and that was something I think that also helped bridge bridge that gap. And then as far as the Rockies and you know not really having that longer window of contention after 2017 and 2018, 2019, you know they're in the the wild card spot there. Um, as as late as like June 21st, something like that. It might have even been July, but they were there for that. And you you can even look at the roster in 2020 mm-hmm. and said, eh, they could have, well, definitely with, with the postseason format, they could have snuck in, but they stopped. They stopped short. They spent on Ian Desmond. Okay, that was nice for that offseason. That was a piece. That gave you a step up. You're right, it wasn't a game changer. They signed the Super Bullpen. Probably should have been more of a game changer than it was. It gave them a step up, at least for 18. Then what happened? They balked at paying DJ LeMahieu his money. They, he, they balked at a, a four or five year extension for LeMahieu. You bring him back, that changes everything. Now maybe you trade Brendan Rodgers and you're able to acquire a guy like JT Real Muto, which was part of the conversation at that point. And then in the 2019 2020 offseason, you go out and you sign you know, another player. Again, it doesn't have to be huge. Gerardo Parr is one of the best free agent signings in franchise history. Yeah. And he wasn't a huge signing. So they stopped short. They. It's like they had a plan, and they said, all right, we're going to try to make it work within this 24-month period, and we're going we're gonna to go all in for 24 months. But that's not really going all in. You, you've got to have a much longer runway for, for a plan like that to really come to fruition. Yeah, I, I, I think the best comp that where the Rockies put themselves and the restraints that they, they place on their operation is the Kansas City Royals during the 2010s. Because right. when the time came... You acquired Ben Zobris. You acquired Johnny Cueto. You acquired James Shields. Yeah. Uh, Wade Davis. I mean, and so the Rockies, first on the LeMahieu side of it, you have to make a choice. Brendan Rodgers looks ready. Brendan Rodgers is giving you all the hallmarks and earmarks of this guy is going to be a major league starter and he is ready to get the opportunity to do it. And he plays the exact same position as DJ LeMahieu. Plus you have money coming up that you're going to have to pay to one or both of Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado. That's on the horizon. Do you... Which they did to neither of those guys. Well, Arenado sort of. <laughs> I mean... Sort, yes. <laughs> right, he, he does get a, a, an asterisk and an S, yeah. sort of, yes. Yeah, I mean, they made sure everybody knew that he signed, but when it came to actually paying him over the long run, that was a different story. So 
if you're not going to move a Brendan Rodgers to acquire Real Muto and push all in for that period, then you have to make the hard decision of moving on from a DJ LeMahieu. Yeah. What really sucks in hindsight about it is DJ LeMahieu and Daniel Murphy fi- signed for the exact same contract. Yeah. LeMahieu becomes a dude with the Yankees, and Murphy is poopy. Ultimately, I mean, yeah. he's 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 somebody that uh, you know. Again, it's a delusional. This guy will put us over the top. This guy will fix first base, and he's going to give us you know good production. He wasn't. Lemayhu, dude, Murphy, he put dud. Right. I was going for was a ride right there. You, we went alliterative. Dud, dude. <laughs> I went dude, pood, but it's it's Fair all enough. good. Look, it's all good here at the DNVR bar, especially when you are a diehard because you're getting fifteen percent off your tab, twenty percent off dnvrlocker.com, as well as twenty percent off all, any of our tailgates, party buses that we've got going on. It's fantastic. Uh, extra raffle tickets, access to the diehards only discourse. Uh, it's the place to be. The DNVR.com. You're getting all kinds of stuff. And we got uh, we got stuff behind the paywall as well, but not when you are a diehard. Look, Kenneth, I gotta I gotta do this on you. How are you liking my new shades? These are courtesy of Shady Rays. Look at these bad boys. Sharp is the first word that comes to mind. Sharp. That is yes. sharp. Th- Especially sh- with a cap. That was uh, they Shady Rays rejected that name when they were workshopping it. Sharp shades. Sharp they, shades. That came in second. At least it should have been. At least that's my story. And I'm sticking to it. These these bad boys are built to last. Like these are proper outfield glasses. I mean, I, I'm robbing a couple home runs with these bad boys on. Dude, I mean, so you're looking good on camera. First of all, you step up to the plate with that, or they just do that pan to the outfield. See so you, you know, throwing seeds from your back pocket into your mouth. You're looking good the entire way. Yeah, and none of them, none of those seeds are going in my eyes because again, <laughs> I got the sweet shady rays. It's the independent sunglass company that offers a world class product that's just as good as any expensive pair that I've ever worn. Durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. Got in about forty miles over five days on my feet. Sixty percent was running. Forty percent was walking around down in Austin, and when I was running. Had these bad boys on. They were fantastic. Had bats flying all over in my face, but I didn't have it to worry because these bad boys, Shady Rays, came through. Um, and if you know I had broken them or I'd lost them, it wouldn't have mattered because even on day one, Shady Rays lets you know that they will send you a brand new pair. No questions asked if you happen to lose or break them. If you don't love them, you can also exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Your team always has your back. We know that we've got yours and you've got ours exclusively for our listeners. Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code DNVR or visit them in-store at the Park Meadows Mall for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 folks. Have you ever had to swat away any bats while you were running before? Uh, no. I mean, so definitely not anatomical bats. If we're talking oh. about maybe, you know, somebody lets one fly from the on-deck circle, there might have been an instance or two on that. Bat shard, yes. Yeah. yeah Lar- largest back. largest bat colony in, like, all of North America is in Austin. Really? There's, like, a million that lives underneath the South Congress Bridge that's there. And they don't come that, back actually. until March, these uh, these bats that, that typically live in Mexico. But there were still some there throughout the winter, so we saw, like, three. Okay. You go in the summer, you see literally over a million. And they eat, like, 10,000 pounds of bugs a night. Oh wow! So they they provide a a very good they service. They summer in Austin. They do. They yep. which I mean there are a few people that would ever dare to do that because it it's hot even when it's sixty degrees it's kind of muggy yeah. and gross. Hey, it's for them though. That brings the bugs out when the food when the food's good they go and eat. I Back get it. yeah, that's the way to go. Backus and Shanker uh, they're not going to bug you. They're there to help you. 
especially if you've been hurt, they're there to help. Backus and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They're helping those who've seriously been injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case, so no upfront fee to speak of just to talk with them about your case. No fee while they work on your case, and no fee unless they win your case. That means winning money for you. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients. Bless you. And they say bless you, even when they're not here. That is the beauty of Bacchus and Shanker. They've got locations serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. They've got the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Bacchus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases that weren't your fault. Car accidents, motorcycle accidents, rideshare, pedestrian trucks. They can help even if you've been injured at work. Call them at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Bacchus and Shanker wins. Or for the baseball fans out there, Daza Daza Daza, Tulo Tulo, Tulo Tulo. <laughs> Or any other iteration that you would like. Daza and Tulo. You, you can just keep going back and forth. It's all twos. Two, 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 two. It's a beautiful thing. I love that. Um, let's, we, uh, we've got news later on today, 4 p.m., MLB Network. We're going we're gonna to get at least a preliminary rosters for the World Baseball Classic. Obviously, certain things can change when uh, guys start showing up to camp and... You know, maybe have a little hamstring issue. You got to be cautious, obviously. But uh, we will find that out. Who's going to be on the rosters for the March 8th through 21st World Baseball Classic? I'm I'm excited. I'm wondering if we're going to see Jonathan Daza on Team Venezuela. That was a name that hasn't gotten out there initially when I, when I spoke with uh, the, the GM and manager down at the World Baseball Classic. He was on, like, the outside looking in mm-hmm. as if somebody drops out. And Ronald Acuna Jr. dropped out. So, Jonathan Daza today, 4 p.m., stay tuned. That'd be amazing. That would be cool. Cracking Venezuela, man, that's a tough nut to crack. Like, that is a stacked roster. And honestly, what Daza has done to to make himself such a good big leaguer really should be one of those glue guys that carries over for an event like this. So, I mean, honestly, that would be really, really exciting and cool and good for him um, because he deserves that type of recognition. Yeah. Yeah. He would be fun. He'd be great. I think that would, that would offer him a a big boost. And again, you know, just playing with other Rockies again, that's great. And I mean, gosh, he's been in the system at least a decade. I Mm want to say maybe he was an international free agent signing in like 2012. Like he's one of the longest tenured guys. And so playing with guys from other organizations in that kind of capacity could unlock a couple different things like, Oh, I, no one ever showed me that. Or again, you, you get those kind of benefits and uh, I think I think Daza would would benefit from that really well. That would, that could be cool to see. Oh, I mean, as a player, being able to be surrounded by some of the world's best players on a stage like that, there's there's only more benefits that you can pick up from it. Um, but an inter- interesting thing that just came to mind because you brought him up earlier, I can totally see a career arc for Jonathan Daza similar to that of Gerardo Parra. Ooh, okay. Like as this just super fourth outfielder, well-regarded anywhere he goes, he can bring energy out there. He can be a center fielder on the corners for you. And then it might not be the the biggest slugging percentage in OPS, but it's going to be a reliable hitter for you as just this really good career as a fourth outfielder that's well sought after because of what he does well. I could totally see that being a thing for him. I like that comp. I like that. I, I definitely could see that. Yeah, he's obviously speaks Spanish, but you know, has, has trained with Brendan Rodgers in the past, and so he's he gets along with everybody, mm-hmm. and he's got a flash, 
but not too much flash where maybe it might put some people off. You never know, but... Uh, no, talking to him, like he's just that. a fun guy. I like and, that. And so, like, yeah, he's, he's he always well-regarded. He's Very a fun nice. guy. And, and, you know, he's he's down to earth with everything, too. Never True. got to, you know, interact with Gerardo Parra, but you don't get a, as strong of a reputation like that if you don't have those characteristics. So I think it's I think it's all there. I like that. Jonathan I, Daza knew Gerardo Parra. All right, and now I just want to I just want to play a game where I just throw Rockies guys at you. You're like, you okay, that. where's the arc? Like we can fill forty minutes on that. that. Forty. There's not enough. That we need more than that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going everywhere. Any any possible active guys? Joe Bimel still sticking around? Where's the future of his career now going to look like? I mean. He's already, he's already at the end, so there, there's not much room there. Uh, yeah. But plenty of room in camp for so many different guys uh, that have got non-roster invites. There's the 40-man roster. Camp battles. Is there, there's, again, there's about seven different spots here on this roster that are up for grabs, and you have one or two guys that get injured. Again, we could be looking at at, at 10 guys that, you know, you might not have initially thought would be on this roster, or there. There's a lot of flexibility. Is there one, let's say, positional battle that you're kind of most interested in, or or just angle uh, on on all of spring training? Because again, there's so many young guys, and that, and I don't think any of these young guys have a guaranteed spot to be on the 26 man roster in San Diego. No, I I agree with uh, the lack of guarantees and and. Bill Schmidt had a quote earlier in the offseason that it was kind of, we created some competition for some guys. Yeah. Um, I think that's true, but only to an extent. So the one that intrigues me the most, it's relegated to the backup corner infield position, specifically yeah. backup first base. And it's going to come down to Ellerice Montero and Michael Toglia. And Nolan Jones is now I- included in that equation, although Jones has some versatility with the outfield. Um, I would like to have seen that be the battle for starting first base. Yeah. That's the tough part about it is, yes, there's creating some competition, but it's for a very limited role. And so it's hard to look at it and say, okay, maybe Michael Toglia shows off more in spring training and he ends up getting that. But now he's really having a diminished number of at-bats because he's not getting a full season down in AAA. Or, you know, we went through this all last year with Ellerice Montero, where it's like, okay, can you play him? Like you brought him up. Can you actually give him some at-bats now? And it wasn't really until September where that started coming around. And I think Jones fits exactly in that elk. So it's going to be the most interesting to see who shows off and gives the most promise. But I wish it was for more of a starting role because it doesn't feel like anything is really up for grabs on the starting side right now. I think even if the Rockies aren't able to unload a guy like CJ Crone mm-hmm. and, and they're out of it, and, and I mean, it, again, they could just hold on to him like they did with Daniel Murphy, you sure. know, where that was, okay, that's, is what it is. Uh, also, they were kind of acquiring guys uh, during that 2020 pandemic season, yeah. right? Michael Givens was the over-the-top. And Kevin Pillar, who no one ever remembers. He was <laughs> on the roster at all. That is an all-time stumper. Just go, was Kevin Pillar ever a Rocky? He's still active. That was three years ago. 99% of Rockies fans will go, no, not not that guy. I think too many people remember Kevin Pillar because they use his name as ammunition against Nolan Arenado. <laughs> They'll be the ones that will bring it up where it's like Pilar had some weird quote out there where he's like, yeah, the clubhouse vibes. It hasn't been as oh, yes. tense lately or anything That's like right. that. That's right. It's Pilar who says that, and people remember Pilar who's, who was the one who said that. They That's can't right. picture him with a cap on. They can't picture him as a Rocky whatsoever, but they can remember him talking shit about Arenado, basically. And so that's why people remember Pilar as a Rocky. I don't. I don't know if there's any photographs of Kevin Pilar as a Rocky. No, I'm, I'm sure there they don't are exist. minimal. 
There, I uh, I had tweeted something out from the main account, uh, not while I was on vacation. It was a timed tweet. I'm I'm I work smarter, <laughs> not harder. So it may have seemed, oh, Patrick's firing some stuff off on his vacation. Nope, I did not look at my phone at all. Totally shut down. Easy to do right now at this time of the year. Mm -hmm. But I could not find a photograph of Mark Hutton, the only Australian-born ball player in Rockies history. And then I think Kyle Cooper, mm -hmm. uh, you know, responded to it like, well, it, it helps when you have, you know, the entire photographic archive of the Rockies at your fingertips. So he put one out there. So now on Twitter, there is one out there Good. available of the only Australian player for the Rockies uh, in, in, in their history. You're right. I, I like that battle. Eventually, whether CJ Crone's on the roster or not, it, it'll be Montero and Tolly over there first base. We'll see what happens with Jones. And it, and it kind of makes it more fun because now there's not room for both of those guys. Crone's gone. You're probably having both of them. But Jones is, is the interesting wrinkle because they needed to get a left-handed hitting outfield bat or just somebody that was left-handed mm -hmm. hitting. And they got one in Nolan Jones, who uh, was a career third baseman all throughout the minor leagues. Obviously had to move off of that uh, because he played in the the, the same uh, organization as Jose Ramirez. So you know, they're taken. There, there's a lot of uh, Rockies who have that same story coming up with uh, Nolan Arenado in front of them or a uh, period of time when she was Troy Tulowitzki. You needed to find a new position. Mm -hmm. So with that, you got like the backup third baseman slash backup first baseman. And something that I sort of have written off is an idea that, okay, so there's going to be a utility infield spot. Mm -hmm. And you go, all right, that's between Alan Trejo and now Harold Castro, a left-handed hitting bat. And you immediately go... He does have five years of big league experience. I think Trejo has a bigger upside. But again, we're talking about a bench piece more than anything. So Castro may have the edge. You could almost have Castro and Trejo and still only have that one backup first baseman. But now it's it's almost likely to not be Montero because Montero can't play the outfield. Tolia can. Nolan Jones can. So if something like that happens, that's, that's almost another deviation uh, of of a battle where, well, if Trejo and Castro are playing really well, one of them might even move ahead of Montero on the depth chart. Um, but but at the winter meetings, you know, Buddy and, and Schmidt, one of the two said, like, Montero's got nothing else to learn in the minor leagues. Yep. So I sort of feel like he's going to be guaranteed a spot. And even if, you know, Trejo plays better than Montero, I'd understand. I'd be okay if Montero got a spot over Trejo, even if Trejo played that much better. Right. And, and Cast say Castro is, he's clearly the utility infielder who can also play some outfield. Trejo learns how to play a little bit of outfield. So you go, Castro, he's, he's a slam dunk. He's earned the spot as the utility infielder. Well, now it's either Montero or Trejo. Again, if Trejo has a better spring, I could see the organization still going to Montero because of the potential, because of the upside that they see in his future. Yeah, and I mean, I I think by the middle of last season, mm -hmm. it was very evident that Montero had nothing left to prove yeah. at the minor league level. Yeah. And and again, that was the frustration at the time of why is he not getting enough plate appearances. So I completely and wholeheartedly agree with the sentiment of there's no reason to put Montero in Albuquerque other than we don't have the room on the major league roster right now. So he should be up with the major league squad. Um, I think it could ultimately be the odd man out situation for Tolia and uh, Nolan Jones instead. My bigger question in this discussion is Tobar is your starting shortstop. I mean, yeah. there's there's nothing that hints otherwise. They're handing the job to him. They can Even say a he, bad spring, I'm like, yeah, they, just give it to him. They it's say fine. they're giving him every opportunity to win it. 
they're giving him the job. He is again, going to be the starting shortstop. Defense doesn't really slump. So no. you know what? He could, again, you have a bat but, 100. So, and yeah, and so I have full confidence that he's going to go out there. He's at least going to be a very good defensive shortstop. He's probably going to have some learning curves that come with the offensive side of it. But you know what? For a Rockies team where the expectations are low, you live with it. However, if Tovar gets hurt, or if Tovar struggles so badly to the point that he has to move off of shortstop, he has to get some time down in AAA, is Harold Castro a shortstop? That's my big question, because the whole utility infield side means who can play up the middle, because we know Tolia, we know Jones, and we know Montero cannot play up the middle for us. So Alan Trejo has proven that he can handle shortstop responsibilities, and so. Bud Black alluded to we're going to get him some outfield time. Okay. He's fitting into this Garrett Hampson mold right now. Harold Castro has been known as kind of a Luis Arias light of, you know, good contact guy. Um, I don't think that there's enough belief in him being able to handle shortstop, though, to really give full confidence that he gets the nod over a Trejo and a Montero. And then Cole Tucker, you know, that's the one that really needs to show up in spring training to, to earn that spot. Because I think we have the pecking order right of it goes Trejo, Castro, and, and Cole Tucker at the very bottom of the rung. Tucker could immediately elevate it, you know, higher because he can handle up the middle defensive responsibilities. He just needs to show enough with the bat. So I think that's the intriguing bench battle side. How about this? You you have Trejo in AAA so as to not put that threat in Tovar at the big league level of, hey, if you slip up, we've got a very, you know, quality candidate that can take your position. Whereas Castro, as you said, Castro probably not, going to be able to do on the defensive side. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I believe, believe it or not, I'm not a Harold Castro aficionado yet. <laughs> yet. G- give me some time. I just got back from vacation. Give me a couple of days. I will be. But I would tend to think he might not be that. Maybe in a pinch, because again, if Tovar's just going down for a short period of time, it's not as big of a deal. You're definitely not moving Brendan Rodgers over there. Already want to go glove over at second base. He's fine. Let him stay there for stability. But really, if there is an issue of Tov- with Tovar at shortstop and you want to give him a little bit of a break, a little sabbatical, go down to Albuquerque or what have you, mm-hmm. then you make the flip. Trejo comes up from AAA. Tovar goes down to AAA. And now you don't have to have to you know deal with those questions of, so, Bud, you know, uh, Tovar, you know, he's uh, he's doing what Brendan Rodgers did last year, slumping in April. Do you think Trejo deserves to get an opportunity every time he comes in off the bench? You're going to have to answer those questions. Tovar's going to have to hear those questions. And so maybe, just maybe you don't want to have to deal with that whatsoever. But again, Trejo's going to be learning how to play the outfield. Um, so maybe we see him there more. He he could play every game in the outfield, and I would still have enough confidence to say Trey is probably a better defender at shortstop sure. than than Harold Castro. Oh, totally. So uh, Harold Castro, just to to throw this into it, has played. Oh, actually, <laughs> he has played eight positions in his career. He's pitched too. He has pitched a few times actually. How many of those eight different positions do you think he has a positive defensive run saved in? Pitcher, one. <laughs> Pitcher is neutral. <laughs> okay. Pitcher right, is so neutral. So he can field his position with the you know pretty well. I think more than anything, they just didn't compensate for uh, like the six and two thirds innings. Yeah. That he has out there. I bet left, left field, field. And left field and right field. There we go. One and two. Third base negative eleven. Shortstop negative wow. eight. Okay. So that kind of answers the question about it. So I think you know getting back to to the rocky side of it, I think it's a disservice if you limit Alan Trejo's uh, opportunities because you want to maximize the most out of Ezekiel Tovar. 
Um, we talked about how Montero doesn't have enough or doesn't have anything left to prove in the minor leagues. You know, Trejo's kind of getting to that point, too. Agreed. Trejo has been good enough, and every stop that he's been in, he showed that he could take advantage of the PCL at the very least, but showed that he is at least a quad-A hitter. And then you have to find out, okay, is this a major league hitter or is this a very good triple-A hitter? And I think he has earned the right to have the inside track at, you know, a, a bench job, that first yeah. utility guy, um, based off his performance in the Rockies farm system and with the major league club to this point. So I think it makes total sense that Tovar is the starting shortstop. You have Alan Trejo while also trying to get him as acquainted with center field as he possibly can, because it's essentially just planning on life after Randall Grichik, because Grichik's kind of the backup center fielder, unless you think Nolan Jones can do it. And I don't, um, so Trejo becomes more familiarized getting center field experience while also being the safety net for Tovar. It makes the most sense to do it that way because I don't think Harold Castro can do anything but the corners. Yeah, he's a corner man Castro. Mm -hmm. That's what he's known as. And we're known as the home and supporters of FOCO, of course. Uh, Our friends are the leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise. They've got product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. Even if you're not a, a Colorado fan, you can still take advantage of code DNVR for 10% off all non-presale items, even if you're getting gifts for people and you're saying maybe you're stockpiling. I know I'm, I'm, my wife and I, we're still in that mode of getting gifts for other people and like, hey, let's let's get ahead of next November in December. So let's pick up a couple of things. Use code DNVR for 10% off. And if, if you know someone who happens to be a Padres fan somewhere else or is a Los Angeles Rams fan, look, I could go on and on with, with other sports teams. I know like five other ones. So <laughs> Austin, Austin uh, FC, there you go. Like, nice little vast knowledge. The Verde. Look, not to show off, I know three other teams in different cities, but you can learn a lot more <laughs> about the products at FOCO as well as the bobbleheads that they've got. Uh, and they've got a billion different caps too. So that's a lot of fun, including a lot of different colleges. Uh, and university again dnvr for 10 percent off all non-presale items and ken kenneth ken where did i go ken there on that yeah. kenny it just rolls off the tongue a little bit no kevin's no keith's that's my rule yeah that's well i'm ken, a kenneth, i'm kenny. a patrick you and are. i tell people hi i'm patrick and mm-hmm. they go nice to meet you pat and i go but that's not what i said but no i let it go and so i appreciate because i don't know too many kenneth's mm-hmm. and I've, i know plenty of ken's kenny's but no Kenneth, so I appreciate that. I, I feel distinguished saying it. Whether or not I actually am is totally besides the point. Do you, have a, do you have a distinguished location for watching the big game on Sunday? I know you'll be on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, but if you got your, your day planned out, what you'll be doing? I do for the most part, except for the throwing a hockey game at me that they're really pushing that I attend. So Dumb men's leagues. Yeah, so it might be uh, uh, missing the first half by playing hockey. I'm trying to get out of it. Sorry, Adrian, but... Yeah, there you go. Otherwise, I do have my plan set. Your your voice sounds a little hoarse. Are you coming down with I something? Am. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I think I'm it might little, be. A little backed up. Ahem. Ahem. Yeah, all the Super Bowl action you need is over on DraftKings Sportsbooks. $5 bet uh, on anything for new customers. And if it wins, you get $200 in free bets instantly. It's pretty sweet. Plus, all new customers can get on, on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with the DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boost. This is pretty neat. Check out the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. Eastern time. So we're talking 4 to 7 p.m. here in uh, Mountain Standard Time to see what prop bets will be boosted 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 on any Super Bowl 57 bet. And if it wins, $200 in free bets instantly only on DraftKings Sportsbook and only with code DNVR. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. That boost there, the happy hour boost, is what I'm going to be taking advantage of because my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week is, we've been talking about it a lot the last couple weeks. I like the National Anthem one, the time of that, you know, the color of the Gatorade that's going to be coming out. They have a new novelty prop bet for jersey number. The combined jersey number of all touchdown scorers or the jersey number of the first touchdown scorer. I like that. That's cool. I like that a lot. That's actually the one I'm going with. Over 11 and a half. Yeah. So if someone scores a touchdown that wears a number 11.6, and I don't know the rosters off the top of my head. Kenneth, do you know anyone in Kansas City? You probably watch a lot more Broncos games than me. Who wears a number 11.6 or 11.7 or 11.8 for Kansas City? Because if they score a touchdown, you win. So do we're, you know who we're scores? going over 11 and a half, just in general, right? Yeah. Travis Kelsey. <laughs> That's the first name that I pulled Was up. Was he 11.8 or 11.9? What's his number? 87. He's, he's oh, a whole number. slightly above the mark. Okay. All right. You hear, do you know anyone with a, with a good 11 point, num, point number that's bigger than 5? 11.72. Also bigger than 11.5. You would win on that. No hot takes for you on that one? No hot takes for you. Again, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm showing off my decimal knowledge, but that's what I'm going with my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week over. 11.5, so 12 or higher. Yeah, Travis yeah. Kelsey, come on. Yeah. That's going to be the one. Plus 105, lock that bad boy in. Kansas City has one receiver, and it's very high over 11 and a half. So. Yeah, and he... he yeah. Yeah. Th- th- then I lose my bet. Don't say that. I don't like that. Um, opening, day, uh, opening day starter is an interesting mini camp battle. I don't know if there's anything that much to say about it right now. Between Freeland, it's between Marquez. Sure. Both those guys, and again, we'll learn a little bit more later today. I mean, they're going to be gone for part of camp. We'll see how long they'll be out for uh, pitching with the, uh, the Team USA and Team Venezuela, mm-hmm. respectively, for the World Baseball Classic. But that's a fun little mini battle. I don't know that we see that much of the battle. It'll just be, here's who gets it, right? Like There won't be much debate. Whatever Bud Black says goes and we won't say, ah, this person deserved it more than that. They're, they're just, they're equal down the line. The tail of the tape, they're pretty balanced. They both have two opening day starts. Whoever gets the nod will be the first starter in Rockies history to start three times on opening day. Yeah, I mean, that's a cool little tidbit. I didn't know we had a, a three-time opening day uh, champion. If it's one of those two guys, it'll be three. It has to There's be. nine other guys who've had two yeah. opening day starts. So and this Estes. is the tiebreaker. And <laughs> and, and Kyle Kendrick. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it, it feels like Freeland would have the inside track just from the better year. Um, I, I think so, too. He stabilized a little bit. And I think there's also there's a little bit of sentimentality with Freeland getting the opening day nod, especially yeah. after Black gave it to him the first time. Um, a lot of man, a lot of this year from the Rockies perspective is banking on Marquez getting back on track. Yeah. Like so much of this, especially because you consider that you're now going to have the team option that you're going to be looking at in 2024 that you kind of need to start seeing that, that yeah, we're for sure slam dunk team option on it. So if he does perform, maybe they reward him for that. Um, but it feels like Freeland. It, it's not quite as much of a as much fun as it was when you had Gray, Freeland, Marquez, right. and Sensatella, and it's just like, hey, this is a pretty big bag to pull You could from. go anywhere. You can make the case for any of them. Yeah, it's down and to two. It's definitely. Fourth and fifth starter, Austin Gomber. 
and um, Ryan Feltner are kind of the two incumbents as we wait for Antonio Cinzatella. Mm-hmm. Got an article over at the DNVR.com kind of highlighting all of these things. Do you see any dark horse kind of slotting in there? We know Peter Lambert and Ryan Rawlson are those names that are out there. But Lambert, I mean, is he going to be able to go 32 times? And would you rather just say, yeah, we'll slot you in. We'll, we'll give you a nice, you know, kind of softer opening down in AAA, get some innings underneath you, manage those innings. And then, you know, we, we hope that you can join the rotation at some point, depending on what happens. Yeah. But is, I mean, it's, it's pretty much going to be Feltner or Gomber unless something something crazy happens. Well, I, I don't know. And so, I mean, the, the, the part that makes me throw up a little bit in my mouth, this is assuming Jose Arana is the number three, right? Yeah, and also you shouldn't go play hockey on Sunday if you yeah, pick me yeah, off yeah, a little yeah. bit. Again, <laughs> no, not. so like, okay, so you're going to have Arena's Arena. is a horse. According to Dick Monfort, he's a horse. He's he said, ho- yeah. we've got three, maybe four horses. Senzatella, Marquez, Freeland. I guess Urania is the fourth horse, right? I mean, he's a horse that puts up a six and a half ERA at home pretty consistently. So I don't know. That's beside the point. You know that <laughs> Jose Urania is in that equation. I think, one, they need to figure out what they're doing with Austin Gomber. This needs to kind of be decided whether you're going to put him into that starting role or whether we're going to lean into the bullpen side of it. And I think that that will ultimately lead to what they decide to do with Ryan Rollison. And so Rollison and Gomber, because you you were right that Peter Lambert and Ryan Rollison are the perpetual pitching depth names for the Rockies. And whether or not one of them comes to fruition and breaks camp with the Major League squad, it kind of feels like one of them has to. From that, it's either Gomber or it's Rollison. and it makes the most sense to me that you do Gomber, and Feltner has earned his spot. We can pencil him as, as four, call him four. Call I think him so. Five. It doesn't matter, but I think, I think so. Feltner showed enough last year and is durable enough that he earned that spot. Gomber, if you, you, you just pick a lane. Put him in the starting rotation, give it that one more chance, and then you put Ryan Rollison to build him up the same way we talked about building up Peter Lambert down in, in Albuquerque. Rollison needs to be built up, too. And I think putting him as the long man, putting him as that extra lefty in the bullpen to go with Suter and to go with Gilbreth seems like the right play to me. But they got to figure out what they, what they want Austin Gomber to be this season, and they need to try to do it early. So I, I, I like your your idea there with, with Gombert. Gombert. Gombert and Rawlison. Um, I actually think you could see a reverse for the same, same thing with Lambert. Keep his innings down. I think you could see Ryan Rawlison... He, he would be a great long reliever candidate. Mm-hmm. He's the long reliever. Hey, that that's going to go put those innings in. He's still yet to make his debut. In After his 2018, where he was, you know, fantastic, and then, you know, he started off the year incredibly solid, and uh, I think he just had, like, two starts in, in high A, which, off the top of my head, I have no idea where the heck they played. It must have been Lancaster at that point. Sounds right. Trying to do all, trying to do all that math mm-hmm. after they reconfigured the minor leagues. And then he goes to Hartford and then was really solid. It was like... He, we could see him late in the game and in the bullpen as, as a lefty guy in 2019. They were in the hunt. And here we are in 2023. He's still yet to debut because of those injury issues. So uh, that will be interesting to see what happens uh, with the rotation. We talked a little bit about um, utility infield, outfield, and, and mm-hmm. Trejo um, adding the outfielder's mitt to, uh, to his bag of tricks. And again, the final outfield, final infield spot, how much of it do you think is going to come down to the fact, can you hit left-handed or not? Yeah. Because Sean Bouchard cannot, and he doesn't really play infield anymore. You know, he was drafted as like a second base, third baseman. Um, I'm sure he might be able to pick up, you know, first base. So he's he's got some of he's those instincts of on the dirt. Yeah. I, I think he could. So that'll be an indicator. If you don't see Bouchard over at first base, that, that could be hard. Unless I'm misreading the situation. Again, you need some left-handed hitting bats. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I think it makes it a little bit harder for a guy like Montero, who's... 
you know, only can do the corner corners on the infield. Uh, if you can hit left-handed, I think that's going to give you uh, a little bit of an advantage going forward, potentially. I mean, this has been... The, the Rockies have been too dominated in their lineup and overwhelmingly right-handed for a long time now. Yeah. If you And it's okay to have, you know, one primary side. I mean, there's just more righties than lefties in the world, so that's the way it works. But it's basically only been Charlie Blackman for, like, four years. Like, that's the left-handed hitter that we have. And so they need to find some way to kind of counterbalance that a little bit. And I think that's what brings, like, Harold Castro into the conversation the most, is you just need somebody that can go from the other side of the plate against a right-handed pitcher. Because WRC+, plus over the past four years, they finished 29th, 30th, 29th, and 27th, like, against right-handed pitchers. That's pretty bad splits. You need yeah. some lefties in there to just throw out against a righty specifically. I love the the comments we're getting here uh, from our homie AJ, who was on the show yesterday. Mm-hmm. He can't get enough. Has a horse that doesn't run. Yeah. So you know what? Look, at, at worst, the Rockies will have a nice glue factory. You know what I mean? <laughs> Adding one back we into downtown. Dark. In went the, dark. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, boy. What, what are you going to do? Uh, I do also like this comment. Again, uh, if you want to join us every day, uh, pretty much at 11. Tomorrow on Friday's show, we'll, we will be back uh, at 11 a.m., as well, not not sticking around here late on a Friday night. I'm I, I got an early bedtime. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I got to get up early. He's, even be on partying. he's partying. He doesn't no, have early I, bedtime. I'm lame like that. But on the DNVR Sports Channel over on YouTube, I'm as curious as many people. The comments uh, and and Kenneth, I know you've you've written about this a little bit over on the Purple Row. I'll uh, we'll have to link that article to this uh, podcast. Uh, do some amazing writing for Purple Row. Just. What are your thoughts when the owner is talking like a general manager? On one hand, you go, he's paying attention, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just left of center on a couple things. Uh, you know, again, he some of it I think might have to do with parroting what other people are telling him. Totally. You know, um, is is Venus center fielder? He wants to say yes. I think we all want to say yes, but his people are telling him, and just like they're telling us, no. So he probably won't be. So it's 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 nice that he's aware of what's going on, but maybe he's too aware. Maybe he just needs to leave it up to the baseball professionals. What's your thought on um, on comments from from owners talking about kind of the the inner inner workings of of how the sausage is made? Yeah, too much influence yeah. is I think what it really boils down to, and I think that this is something that can be a hindrance for franchises for decades. And so we talk about the, you know, the San Diego Padres and ownership change plus, you know, some some market changes with the the Chargers ditching them mm. really changed their perspective and they went all in. I think one of the funnier ones that doesn't get brought up enough because it's a very proud fan base is the Los Angeles Dodgers. You think about the Dodgers now and there's just this juggernaut that is going to win the West every single year unless the Giants play way over their head and have the the career year. Nobody really brings up the name Frank McCourt when it comes to the Los Angeles <laughs> Dodgers, do they? Because the no. Dodgers were really a flailing franchise for a very long period of time after the, the success of the late 80s because of the ownership group that was in place at the time. You know, divorce happens, whatever all the circumstances, they have to sell the Dodgers. And then all of a sudden, a new hedge firm group, you know, with the, the, the poster boy of Magic Johnson comes in and takes over. Now they're the juggernaut that they are. I think if you have an owner that won't get out of the way and is too stuck in the roots of their own system, it's only going to continue hurting the franchise until somebody new comes in because you just can't bake on them having an epiphany to, you know, oh, I'll get out of the way. I'll let the sausage factory run itself, and then it will create a better product. 
Yeah. Between 1997 and 2012, the Dodgers went to the postseason four times in those 16 mm-hmm. seasons. That's it. Yeah. That's it. But new ownership comes in, and all of a sudden, now the Dodgers are what they are. And people just act like that's always the way it's been. It just The ownership situation has such a huge influence on sports franchises, and bad ownership can totally hold back and hold a, a franchise hostage. And, you know, every time Dick Monfort comes out with these quotes, it's hard not to bring up that conversation. That's that's the, the tough part about it. So um, I'm hoping that, you know, some, some things change with it, but ultimately there might just be way too much influence going on there, and that's what really hurts the Rockies at their core. Truck day is come and gone. Mm-hmm. Pitchers and catchers are going to be reporting next Exciting. week. Yeah, yeah, minor leaguers are are already there. Mm-hmm. Position players are going to be reporting on February twentieth. Fans are going to be showing up. I mean, they're they're there now to watch a lot of this stuff go down. Hell yeah! On some of the backfields, games start on February twenty fifth. So for anyone, whether you are in Salt River Fields watching some of the actual games that begin on February twenty fifth, or taking in the backfield, let's give you a quick little rapid fire. Who's a top hitter as far as prospects is concerned? You're going to want to look at what's the name got to start with veen zach veen who's the top starting pitcher to keep an eye out on uh i want to see kaufman and also i want to see just how far the uh, the progress was with case williams last year how much that carries over top reliever to he, be watching i mean the riley pint story first and foremost but the stuff is still what made him a number four overall pick so pint and then because it might be the most fun position to watch because you're seeing so much top catcher uh, definitely Drew Romo, but honorable mention to Braxton Fulford. I mean, defensive acumen, I, I see I see an Austin Hedges, Jeff Mathis, long career as, you know, a great backup catcher that could be there for Braxton Fulford. So um, somebody that I think Rockies fans should get acquainted with. Yeah, they they seem to love him. And again, just knowing uh, him, him being added to the Arizona Fall League roster, like mm-hmm. that doesn't happen for a guy who was only drafted, you know, like a year prior. So uh, Flies under the radar because all the eggs are in the Romo basket, but Fulford's a good player, man. Yeah. Ronico Palma, they, the Rockies quietly have a really good catching core. And one of those guys that there's there's just no way he's going to stick at catcher. Yeah. But maybe a little bit. Yeah. You kind of get a Jordan Pacheco situation going on. Hunter Goodman, I, there's no way. What's the over-under on games he catches at the big league level. Oh, man, I'm going to go. 12? Like, are we talking career? Career, yeah. Career, yeah, I'm going to go under, let's say under 16 and a half. <laughs> okay, so he's, yeah. yeah. But so the, the good part about this, though, <laughs> is it's the bat that is bringing Hunter Goodman into this conversation in the first place. He is, he's, dude, dude can hit. And dude hit through all three levels last year. So yeah. he probably won't be able to stay a catcher if there's any changes to the way that the catching position is affected by the automatic strike zone, if that ever comes up, yeah, maybe then there's Hunter Goodman catcher world. But for the most part, he's probably going to be a first baseman. But he looks like he's going to be a first baseman that can mash. So that's pretty sweet. I'm on I'm on board with that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm with that. There's, there's not too many guys that, when you have those serious questions about their catching ability behind the plate, end up staying there. I mean, like mm-hmm. Tom Murphy is like one of the more recent guys where you go, ah, is he going to be able to stick? He's got a really good bat. And he did. He was he was able to stick it out yep. and he's had a decent little career there uh, with the Seattle Mariners. But usually if there's, if you need to come off the position, you just got to come off the position. And that's fine because he can rake, he can hit. Totally. You want his bat in the lineup. So um, it, it will be interesting to see how, how he goes. Riley Pint, I do like that one. To keep an eye on him. Uh, I'm interested in Nick Mears. I think he was a nice buy low candidate from Pittsburgh. He could mm-hmm. be interesting going forward. 
uh, a lot of decent starters to keep an eye on. Again, we'll, we'll be talking about plenty of this uh, throughout spring training. Uh, I am interested in seeing Grant Levine a little bit too because totally. he made some good adjustments this last year. Uh, and I think uh, he's, he's someone to watch and say, could, could he be a thing? Now? You know, he didn't get put on the 40-man roster. I was surprised by that. But maybe next year he does. He didn't get taken in the Rule 5. Yeah. So maybe next year they actually put him on. Man, 6'4", 220, dude needs to find his thump. That's like Levine is a very good player. He's turned himself into a good on-base machine. But you got to see that slugger. Like That's going to be the real thing that, start, that you need to see with Grant Levine. He still has yet to crack double digits in a single season for home runs. And the dude is built Surprising. like a house. Yeah. So like, if he can just find that pop... That might be the best first baseman in the system. But that's already what's put Hunter Goodman so far ahead in this conversation. Yeah. So he's definitely one to watch. And I will throw just a, a quick little nod to Josh Rogers. He's going to be an interesting one because he's somebody mm. that's really remade himself. Um, he's, he's a bit of a spin rate darling, but there's not many guys quite like that in the system for the Rockies. So he's going to be an interesting case to watch. I think he's like tie block 2.0 a little bit, but with, with some more upside. Yeah, well, I, I think that the upside is there's been some changes while tie block has remained just a productive thumber. Okay. That's kind of the career arc for, for block. I'm Rogers that. will be interesting to see what, what he is in there. I'm with that. I like uh, over on Purple Row, you guys are uh, highlighting the top 30 prospects in the organization. Chris McMahon mm-hmm. came out yesterday. Are you going to be doing any of those? Are you writing up on anyone no so that's jeff uh that's jeff's baby over there but you know i i try to dovetail on it a little bit and um right now i'm doing a, a series on three prospect questions with each all i love this series article. yes um so it's really com- you know expanding on on jeff aberley's baby of the the top perps but i'll be doing uh the uh, pebble report all season long that's going off of this list so this is, a, this is a good time over at the website. And I want to give a shout-out to Skylar Timmons and his uh, column because he's doing the life and career of Don Baylor right now. I love and that. And that got off to a great start. So I think that's one that everybody should be checking out. Uh, visited Don Baylor's gravesite when I was in Austin. Oh, really? Which was just, again, random. Picked Austin. Airfare was, like, super cheap. Yeah. It's going to be a little bit warmer there. All right, let's let's do it. I need to take my, my first vacation literally since uh, I've, I've been working at what was BSN Denver is now DNVR since 2018. Yeah. So said, okay, I'll go down there. He's buried in the Texas State Cemetery uh, alongside Dr. Bobby Brown, who was uh, president of the American League for a while. Uh, got got his doctorate while playing with the New York Yankees and winning four World Series. Really? Like, impressive dude. Cool. Cedric Benson's there, mm-hmm. uh, who I didn't realize was, uh, was a minor leaguer for a couple of years, like a 12th round pick out of high school uh, by the Dodgers. Um, and uh, Willie Wells, a Hall of Famer, so that was kind of yeah. neat, and, and paying my respects to uh, to Groove there. That was uh, that was kind of neat. So yeah, so that's really cool. I come back from vacation, and I'm like, oh man, Skylar, he like read my mind. He yeah. he wrote exactly what I would have loved to have read. So thank you, Skylar. I mean, it's really he's great. right there. Yeah. yeah, he's he's great. I love I love that, and I love your series, as you said. You know, will center field candidate emerge? And you go, is that center field candidate going to be Zach Veen or? Are you, are, you, are you believing what the Rockies are essentially saying? He's a corner outfielder. Just stop. Move on. Veen is capable of playing center field, but it goes back to how Carlos Gonzalez was treated back in the day. We're going to save his legs because we need the most out of this bat that we can to be an anchor for our lineup, and he's going to be okay in center, excellent on the corner, so why don't we just play with his strengths? I think it really comes down to really how much were the changes that Brenton Doyle made in the second half last year sustainable. Yeah. And we need to kind of start seeing some prove-its from Benny Montgomery. Everything is there for Benny Montgomery to take off. It just needs to be done over the course of a full season. So it's it's getting clarity on what the future of center field is. I think that's that's the the theme for 2023. I'm with it. The, the theme is that 
we're gonna be seeing a lot more of you this year. I'm hoping. I'm hoping That's so. Good. You know where to find me. We're ready. Come I do. Over. I do. Wear your um, sunglasses and give me an invite. I'll see if I can bring you some extra shady rays. We'll <laughs> see if some fall off the back of a truck. Uh, plug away. Let let people know uh, at K Dub. K-D-U-B, 1988, yep. on Twitter. Yep, um, and you can find me over at Purple Row. I'm going to be there every Monday. We're going to be doing a little bit different when it comes to the Pebble Report. That's going to be linked with my Rock Pile column. So find me on Twitter, talking baseball or just making really dumb jokes, and then find me over at Purple Row, <laughs> K-Dub, 1988. And, and I, I should have asked you this off air. Mm-hmm. The, the, the Pebble Report podcast, because... Unfortunately, the Pebble Report podcast is no longer a thing. It was kind of a DJ LeMahieu situation where, you know what, you didn't want to pony up, you know, the the opportunity for Mr. Justin Wick. And so now he's going to go off and be a dude with Baltimore. He's going to the ALEs where guys go to become dudes. Justin Wick, first of all, is joining in a very elite group of crossovers between the Baltimore Orioles and Colorado Rockies. Right now, I think he is the best left-handed pitcher for for both organizations. True. Maybe the best pitcher. It depends on how you feel about Jeremy Guthrie. Um, But, uh, yeah, so unfortunately, uh, with some of the stuff uh, with, with Fox Media, podcasting is a little bit tougher these days. And also, Justin is off to bigger and better things. So, no Pebble Report podcast this year, but I will be helping out on Affected by Altitude, the other podcast there on we our go. network. Oh, wow. Okay, I like that. Yep. I'll be These popping by. Two mega powers. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It, Max, it, it's going to be a partisan Evan. effort. That's great. I like that. I'm down. I'm Now I see I'm excited. We'll, we'll, we'll make this work. This is going to be good. Yeah, check us out on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. At Patrick D. Lyons is where I'm at. This has been... Quite momentous, but Kenneth, you know what they say about momentum, because you're a baseball guy. That's why I know you know. Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. It's it, it's only as good as your next show. So we will talk to you tomorrow at 11 a.m. on the DNVR Sports Channel on YouTube.